Pedro Loureiro, at Pedro Mac Loureiro on Instagram, is a Portuguese artist with a background on architecture. He has, like many architects, an amazing line quality to his work, especially when he's doing urban pieces. However, his watercolor painting skills and his knowledge of the human figure are amazing. If you are intrigued by how he combines a variety of skills, please join us today as we talk about the role of seemingly unrelated art skills in your growth, how style comes to life, practical exercises to improve your observational drawing skills, what to do when you don't feel like drawing, dealing with the imposter syndrome, and tips on getting started with watercolor. Want to be part of the show? Then send in your questions or topics you'd like to see covered to our email at hello at etrelab.com. If you send us an audio recording, we might include it in the episode. Hi, I'm Anya, and this is Make More Art, a podcast by Etre, meant to inspire you to keep on creating. Now let's hear from our guest. Pedro, you're Portuguese like me, finally. Yeah, I am. (laughs) Finally, a Portuguese dude in the show. Uh, I have a couple of questions for you. And I always say a couple, a bajillion of questions for you. But the first one, I'd like you to tell me a little bit about yourself and where you come from. So where did, when did you first fall in love with art? Let's start there. Okay. Uh, well, it's it's hard to say because it's not probably it's probably not a pinpointed moments in time, but it's like more more or less like a period of time probably. But you know, I've been I've been doing art since I can remember. Of course, I think like all of us, I and mean, like it's uh, kids always draw. You know? Kids kids spend their, a lot of time drawing, and it's only after we get to teen years that we we lose that ability of some some of us lose that ability or at least lose interest in it why now i'm interrupting you before i forget mm-hmm. that why why do you think that happens what's with the teens that makes people just you know stop making art i think it's because well um i'm going to recycle a thought that i uh, heard uh, a spanish illustrator talk about uh, uh, he he addressed the same issue and i think it's it has to do with the with getting serious you know like art is not viewed as a serious uh, activity uh, by 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 the teen years or either by peer pressure or by family pressure or by society pressure or whatever and yeah so it's it's not seen as a, a serious uh, activity so and that's i guess do you yeah. think that when we turn you know 13 14 then in that stage of our lives because in at least in portugal we start we start high school at age 15. do you think that's when you start getting pressure from either family or friends to just be serious about something and of of course it's never art because that's play time yeah i guess so i guess so um um but luckily, luckily for me, it wasn't my case actually, uh, because my parents were very encouraging. I actually didn't take art school uh, in high school. I did uh, I did sciences, and I still went I still went into a semester to um, into a semester of uh, mathematics, applied mathematics, before okay. skipping to architecture. 
just a, a side note because i know high school varies a lot between countries so just um so everyone knows what we're talking about in portugal when you go to high school age 15 15 till 17 18 and then you go to college slash university you pick a field to specialize in and usually if you have no idea what you want to do you might go to science because it's very broad we have like languages and art is one of the fields and you say you did not go to art then in high school i did not go to arts wow. i was it i was more interested in uh, math and uh, and science you know i wanted to be like a nasa scientist or whatever or a biologist or, i don't know something some kind of, i i guess I guess the other the other facet of losing interest in art is that is that because you get you start to get interested in other matters and just like let go of art for a while maybe we'll get back to it later which happened to me fortunately but uh, yeah but by then I was interested in you know it was like X-Files era so I was interested in exploring exploring uh, aliens and <laughs> trying to find if there was life on other planets and, and what happened so you were like all science and I mean, even in Portugal, it, it's so hard to f to follow the art path because at least I, I grew up thinking that being an artist in Portugal was going to the streets to do caricatures and that was it. Or you were an architect and you actually, but we'll get there. So yeah. you finished high school, you loved art, but you went to science, right? And then... Yeah. And then, on you know, I wasn't feeling I wasn't feeling very fit in in the uh, in the science thing, or at least in the math thing. So I started thinking about what's what you know what drove me uh, you know before before high school, uh, before all that. And it was it was like drawing. It was um, it was art. It was drawing. And so I just I just got a few pointers from my family saying, okay, maybe you you should take architecture or something. And I, I decided to to take it uh, to take it to take that shot and uh, yeah soon after i was you know like i was in architecture and finishing on the degree uh, so, an architecture degree so your what is the background of your parents i'm very curious now uh well my uh, my father is a historian uh, so he didn't run in that side of the family my mother is a little bit more artsy She she took she actually took the a design graphic design degree while I was taking the architecture degree. So we were all, we were on the race step by step. That's so awesome. <laughs> so you mom and you oh you went to school kind of together at the same time, not the same school. I I gather. Yeah, I don't yeah know. same time. The that, same time. That's we're so competing. cool. <laughs> Now I want to interview your mom. That's another whole topic I want to discuss, like pursuing your passion after you know forty fifty something like that. I there's. It's super admirable. Okay, so architecture. Interesting that your so your your mom was like architecture for you, and I'm gonna uh, do graphic design. So you were aware of the possibilities? No, 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 not at all. I mean, I I didn't even know what architecture was all about. I was it was like like a almost like a blind date with with an education <laughs> with a college degree. Uh, let's see. Let's see how this works out. And because it was like the most obvious choice, if you wanted to, you know, if you wanted yeah. to, if you were good at arts, it's mm -hmm. either fine arts or architecture. And I wasn't really interested in fine arts. Yeah. Well, just to share 
like like story time my mom tried to nudge me into architecture as well because when I, I went to when i went to high school i'm like i'm gonna go into arts i don't know what i want to do with my life but i know it's art related so in high school i'm gonna go with arts and my yeah. mom was like oh you can be an architecture and i'm like i don't know i don't even know what that's about oh yeah. but you know to be an architecture you can actually go to science and get the math and all of that because when you go to art in high school you don't get a lot of math in my case it was either math or art history and i'm like yeah. Uh, yeah. Art history. <laughs> art history. Tough choice. And, I, uh, I, would math. I would actually go for math. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Uh, so different people, different choices. All valid. Yeah, I did go for... I, actually, I didn't know that it was either A or B. So I did apply for math and I did the first year of math because art history was only in the second year of high school. Uh, but my notes, my, my grades were terrible. Mm. I'm not great at math. I'm I, I, terrible. I suck at math. <laughs> and then I, I found out that I could actually do art and I love art history and I love history. So I, I switched. But uh, yeah, my mom tried to nudge me into architecture until I realized I like to draw, but I don't like to draw with that amount of restraint and measurements. <laughs> and that sounds a lot like drawing with math and it kind of yeah, that's a very good uh, that's a very accurate experience oh my god teenage old me was so smart <laughs> it's art with math or and and a little bit of social sciences and a little bit of history and a little bit of this and that but yeah that's that's very accurate oh actually i'm being unfair uh, in regards to to my to my to my father because he had uh, i almost forgot this i i, I don't i I don't believe how I, I almost forgot this. My dad had a huge collection of uh, comic books, and that's what got me into sketching, uh -huh. or what got me through my teen years uh, of sketching. So, I almost forgot about sketching. Was it not for the uh, for the comic books that my father had? What comic books were you reading back then? Well, mostly European stuff like. Tintin and um, Lucky Luke, Asterix, uh, you know, those classics, those uh, Franco-Belgian classics. Later in life, um, later in my teen years, uh, Corto Maltese, so the uh, Hugo Pratt, the Italian, uh, Italian Venetian author. So uh, I was never into the American, uh, American comics, uh, superhero or all that. I was never much into manga, which I got into much later in life. Uh, like in my 30s but, uh, but yeah it was I think comic books uh, was like actually the foundation of my art uh, curiosity or my art interests that's so cool okay comics comics were what just ignited your passion for art and I, I love when that happens I just love when that happens you know creators creating creators okay this is so cool yeah. so uh, art comics kept kept the flame alive i think more than igniting it kept the kept it alive throughout the like the, the teenage years where i was interested in other stuff and like comic books just kept the torch uh, lit until i got to a place where i could be interested in art again i guess which wow. was architecture wow and what made you go i mean so you, you were you just said you were kind of blind dating architecture you didn't know what it was much about and it seemed like an easy maybe it's not maybe the word i'm looking for is not easy but maybe obvious obvious it was the obvious obvious choice i guess it was like yeah. half you know like like you said half math half uh, art and uh, half other things yeah. <laughs> so, so for, three halves holes. for anyone who claims that artists are terrible at math there you go Pedro is the exception to the rule he's good at math he's great at drawing <laughs> 
I used to used to be good actually, but then I kind of lost it. But you know, I like I like the uh, you know I, I was I was very uh, I was very moved and uh, I I could see I could see a lot of myself in Uma's Uma's uh, podcasts. Yeah, the episode with Uma. that she's an engineer. So uh, I, I I met Uma before uh, many times, and I I identify quite a lot with her in 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 that term. And like like there's something about uh, there's something about uh, math and uh, engineering that it makes like the world a, a more elegant place in a way. It's like the the whole the whole uh, concept of you know like the whole concept of the art is to make like uh, like the optimal uh, equation to describe something and uh, and if i can apply that to art even better wow. <laughs> with my very little math <laughs> well, and i'm glad you you grabbed you mentioned uma's podcast and by the way if you don't know what we're talking about you can le- listen to uma's episode at etrelab.com forward slash uma that's u-m-a uh, I saw your comment on Uma's podcast episode, and you were like, "Finally, someone who's lazy like me." Yep, what yep, does yep. that mean? <laughs> that just means like it's like I um, you know, like if you think about it, maybe it, probably the calcul the calculator wasn't invented by a by a very laborious person. It was invented by a lazy person that went wanted someone something else to make the uh, the math for them. So I just I don't want to deal with this with these uh, equations and this math. Let's let's just make a machine that takes care of it. That's it. It's laziness for you. Yeah, it's that's like creating things to make to make them work for you. Yeah, I once I read this somewhere. I can't remember where, but maybe it was a comic strip. I don't know. Because you know when you read things and you imagine the th- the what you're reading, so you don't know if you read a text or if you actually saw a comic. But anyway, <laughs> so I was reading this somehow, and um, it was about this factory, and they were having a loss, like they were not making as much money because uh, some of the boxes were empty. Yeah. Uh, and they were shipping empty boxes and no one was figuring that out. And, you know, so that was horrible. It caused a lot of stress. So they, the, their solution was to hire more people to check the boxes. Um, and they also came up with a super complex system where if, if the box, I can't remember it quite well, but it was something that it would make a lot of noise if the box met a certain condition. So one day they, they were worried because the noise stopped showing up, like no noise whatsoever. They couldn't hear like, oh my God, the machine is broken. We spent so much money on this machine. What's going on? And when they got there, they saw uh, a worker chilling with a fan blowing the boxes. If the box fell, it was empty. So problem solved. And like, how did you find that? How did you figure this out? I'm like, I was tired of hearing the freaking noise. So I just came up with something. It's like it's like a, it's like a niche. If you scratch, then it's uh, everything is okay. Yeah. So it's, I guess I guess that that can, that can be described loosely as uh, laziness, but no, not quite. But uh, you know, it's like an easy uh, an easy shortcut to describe the the feeling you get out of creating something or inventing something that solves a problem that you yeah. don't have to deal with again. Yeah. Or at it's, least for a long time. Like the, that famous quote: uh, "Creativity is intelligence having fun." Yeah, yeah. Something along say, those lines. Okay, so. so you started. Art, sorry. Art, art is art. Challenges me. Challenges me a little bit in that sense because, you know, like it takes a lot of practice and it takes a lot of, 
you know, it takes a lot of time to 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 properly finish a sketch. I mean, if, if I'm doing like a like an eight-hour illustration, it's going to take like eight hours. There's no way around it. So that kind of challenges me, challenges challenges this laziness that I feel. So it kind of yeah, I live living between these two uh, these two modes of operation. So I've never, I would have never imagined that after looking at your work, which we will talk about in just a second, because I can't wait to, to hear more about it. Um, so yeah, you went to architecture, and yep. and I mean, what next? Because I see a lot of your architectural knowledge in your art, so I just, I'm trying to find a connection here. Okay, so I, I uh, took architecture, and there was very... In this in this particular course, there was the, a lot of emphasis on history and uh, social sciences, and not so much on arts, and uh, not so much on the fine arts. There was one 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 uh, subject uh, of drawing uh, for two years, uh, and that's where I fell in love with drawing again because I had to. The teacher had reprogrammed me. Uh, from my comic book uh, templates or from my comic book uh, default to uh, to fine arts default. Uh, as, hmm. as to say, it's like uh, we, we did a lot of blind contour drawing, basically. And that we that, that would kind of deprogram our, our my installed software, my previously installed software. And that got me into sketching actually what I was seeing, you know, like what I was seeing with my own eyes instead of with my mind. And that got me into art again, basically. So before college, I mean, I know you were in love with comic books and that helped you keep the flame on, but were you drawing before starting college? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. I was, you know, like uh, making uh, caricatures of my co of my colleagues or my friends, you know, making my like small, uh, small uh, doodles uh, on the sides of the most boring classes. And uh, that was it. That was basically it. I wasn't doing much else. You know, I was like copying from time to time. I would like copy um, some images that I would see on comic books. So, you know, like my default for sketching was comic books, was comic key. Okay. Uh, two things. One, every teacher out there, sometimes doodling helps us keep, keep focus, okay? Uh, <laughs> it's not just because the class is boring. It's, it's a way, maybe, maybe it is boring, but it's a way for us to, you know, Stay Constantly. interested in listening. Yep, yep, yep. I'm just trying to save the, the artsy kids out there. Okay, point Sorry. number two. <laughs> Sorry, former uh, teachers. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Point number two. Um, can you talk a little bit about what is it to draw in a comic-y, cartoony way and the difference between fine art? Okay. So what was so it? I think, I, I'm not sure if it's fine art, if I'm using the, the correct the correct term, fine art, but it was like this transition that occurred was was mostly tutored by my, my drawing professors uh, in, uh, in college. And it was uh, going from one very stereotypical way of drawing, which is like comic books, where you get shortcuts to, you know, shortcuts to draw a character, you know, like you just, you simplify, you oversimplify reality in order to convey a message, in order to convey a story. And in the fine arts, uh, in the fine arts uh, mode that I got into when I was doing blind contour drawing and everything, I was actually sketching what I saw. You know, like I was sketching the, the, the that exact thing that I saw, that uh, the exact object that I saw, or the person that I saw, not you know like making up uh, any features or not uh, simplifying too much. Mm -hmm. Not not I, stylizing I, I, anything, just pure. Yeah. 
observational painting exactly. and sketching and so, so assuming... suddenly Go ahead. things were what they were you know like the things that i drew what were what they were the people the buildings the spaces and everything and i got to i got to sketch uh, from reality which was which was, didn't happen before do you think that informed your cartoony style did you abandon that cartoony style altogether because when i see your art when i look at your art you're an urban sketcher you draw and you paint what you see yet yeah. you loved cartoony stuff so just thinking I'm, i'm putting myself in the shoes of someone who loves comic-y stuff do you think that kind of foundational practice is necessary to stylization mm. It's an option. It's an option, but uh, but it's uh, yeah, uh, definitely definitely helped me later in life because if I didn't have the comic booky uh, thing before, I wouldn't be able to to sketch like I do now. So I you know like when I got into college, I got away from all that you know to later get back to it uh, in the with a different mindset. So I got back my my comicy style, but adapted it to to uh, to my new thing. So it's like uh, you blend and you blend and you blend and you blend until you know, like it's always you. You know, it's, it's always your identity. But you know, like you add a little bit of uh, something, you add a little bit of uh, this guy or this uh, reference or this uh, school of art, or you know, you keep adding to yourself, and that becomes uh, the later you, I yeah. guess. And Which... that's why style is something that keeps changing and not something that is forever, because you keep evolving as a human being and as an artist, so it grows with you. Yeah, exactly. And for me, for me, it was very important to not look for a style, you know, like, because um, when you start when you start searching a style, then you 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 put yourself you, you put yourself under a lot of stress and you put barriers in your in yourself. So it's like if you take a for instance, if you, if I take a workshop, I would I would completely try to imitate the person that is teaching the workshop, not do something that I usually do. Like let's let's fail according to this person uh, to this person's instructions, and let's see what that gets to me uh, later in like in two weeks yeah. or two months or two years. Wise choice because you will learn something new yeah. that you will inevitably adapt into your workflow because exactly. your body is used to something new and it will somehow make it fit with your whole yeah. style. Yeah quote-unquote thing oh my god exactly and cool. the body the body uh, analogy is very good because it's like you use your hands to to sketch you use our, your eyes to sketch these are all parts of your body and then you use your minds to interpret which is you know like the the mind parts is also comes in so uh, it's like a body mind thing connection that awesome. you, yeah. thank you for sometimes i come up with analogies without explaining mm -hmm. them uh we're a good combo <laughs> art okay so you finished college Yeah. You're working as an architect now, as an artist. What is happening now? So I did work as an architect for five, six uh, something years. Then I went, uh, then the crisis hit and uh, no more architecture for anyone or for most people. What year so I was that? Sorry? What year was that when you finished your degree? I, was, I, I finished in two, 2006 okay. and I started working in 2006 or seven, uh, six, six. And... Um, So the crisis hit in 2008. Uh, I still endured a little bit of it until 2011 or something, and then I started to, uh, you know, like question the whole architecture thing: Is this for me? Is this not for me? Because it was getting very complicated. It was getting very, 
you know, hard to get jobs. I was, you know, I, I was working in a, in a, in a small architecture office with my partner and, and, you know, like there wasn't enough work for us to, to keep, to keep us around, you know, like, so, uh, I, me and my girlfriend decided, okay, I have some family in Sweden. Let's just try there. And we went there for a couple of years wow. working in the restaurant business. And, <laughs> and that's where I think that was like the most revolutionary periods of, of my art life. If So if, if there is any pinpoints uh, where I, I can say that my illustration career started, it was there. It was the move to Sweden. How? This is amazing. How? So you went to Sweden, you stopped architecture, your love for art was still present? Uh, yeah, more than ever, because also I'm being unfair again, <laughs> because I skipped I skipped uh, one one part of, of my art life, which is the Urban Sketches, of course. When the Urban Sketches start, started in 2008 uh, or 2009, I keep forgetting. And in Portugal, it, had, it, it was it, it started in 2010, and I joined soon after. And I started going into these uh, meetings of people that was that were sketching in the street, and I felt really uh, identified with that. And uh, okay, this is my thing now. Let's do this all day. And this was like the escape bubble that uh, from from the the whole other thing, the architecture thing. So when you of course, went to, sorry. Yeah. So when you went to Sweden, did you stay in touch? I mean, because Urban Sketchers they have uh, chapters all around the world. So yeah. when you went to Sweden, did you connect with the sketchers there, or did you do your own thing? I did connect to sketchers there, but it was uh, in the southern region of uh, Sweden, and there was a lot. There were not a lot of sketchers there, and they were all scattered around. So it was like four mm -hmm. sketches. I met them all. <laughs> And after that, we didn't meet often. So, um, but now there's a chapter going on, a little bit more active chapter going on now, uh, close to the place where I, where I used to live. Uh, but yeah, I oh, I've always kept in touch with urban sketchers, if not uh, if not in person, at least digitally, because I would kept posting in the Urban Sketchers Portugal blog, and keeping in touch with with the people back here, back home. To check that out. Okay, awesome. Uh, two years in Sweden, came back, and it wasn't in Sweden that the art became more real. Yeah, it was. Uh, that, that's when art became a profession and a oh, career. Uh, how? Because Tell I was me. working in the restaurants uh, only uh, lunchtime, lunchtime restaurant only. So I would get out at four uh, four p.m. and I still had time to sketch a lot. So there was a lot of free time to, you know, for us to to travel around the country, uh, travel around the region, and to sketch and to, you know, to go to parties and just draw out the sketchbook and start sketching people. And that's where opportunities start to arise. Because wait, wait, wait! You go to parties to sketch people? Yeah, of course. I'm not the only <laughs> one. Yes. <laughs> oh my goodness! Thank. Every time I go to parties with a bunch of people, I don't know. I have my sketchbook. Like, what are you doing? I thought you were a social butterfly. I'm like, yeah, but this is so pretty. No, no, no. This is my way of, conversa uh, of conversing, 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 uh, talking. <laughs> this is my way of talking to people. Um, it's uh, I'm 
used to be very, I still am a little bit introvert, uh, very introvert. So when I went to parties, I didn't talk to people. I just sketched them. And then, you know, like people get interested and then I start talking in my own turf, so to speak. There you go. Controlling the territory, yeah. everything like you want it to be. <laughs> That's a really gold tip. Like the title of this podcast is like how to pretend to be an extrovert, how to control a conversation when you're an introvert. There you go. But not wanting to actually it was you know like it was just the one the one thing I ha knew how to do the, to do so wow it, it just happened and you know like the first job that I ever got in Sweden was the first illustration job job that I ever got to Sweden was uh, sketching a rehearsal for a band a local band and that was it and then soon after you know the, like similar jobs started to appear and I was getting paid to sketch and that was like wow <laughs> I can do this. <laughs> And now you're a full-time artist. Now, I when I got back to to when I got back to, to Lisbon, um, I got in touch with the Urban Sketchers again, and one of them, uh, uh, my 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 coworker and uh, colleague in in arms or colleague in pants, I should say, is uh, is he was already when I got back, he was already working as an illustrator in a major architecture firm. And, you know, soon after I joined him, thanks to him, thanks to his, uh, his connection, uh, Pedro Alves. Uh -huh. Also Pedro. <laughs> yeah, the other Pedro. So, yeah. And that too. It's been six years. So, um, so what, I, what we do is like we sketch all day long, basically. We sketch, we sketch uh, uh, basically architects want to pitch their... Uh, their ideas and their spaces, the spaces that they design to clients. And that's where we come in. We make the plans and the elevations and the cross sections and the 3D models appealing in the in an intermediate phase of the, uh, of the design. So your background is perfect for this job because not only you speak architectural language. Architecturish. <laughs> Architectural-ish, there you go, new word today. Yes, I'm meeting my daily made-up word quota. So not only you speak architectural-ish, you also draw, so it's better of both worlds. They they don't have to, I don't want to say dump things down, but only if it was me, they would have to dump things down. They don't have to explain you in, you know, normal, commoner terms, how to do the drawing. They just like, oh, this is the blah, 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 to throw architectural-ish words here. And you're like, oh yeah, totally get it. Yeah, 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 I'll get you the sketch by at the end of the week and there you go yeah yeah and it's you know yeah it's it's quite useful I, I should say it was it was even necessary to, to to get the job because otherwise it would be very it's it's very difficult for a non-architect to to illustrate architecture it's still possible of course but uh, you know there, there's a lot of watercolorists out there who, who also do uh, you know like those awesome perspectives yeah. but uh, I would say it's 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 a key requirement. Yeah, key you have to speak architectural-ish. Architectural-ish. And uh, because mo sometimes the design is not complete. So there are, you know, like there are voids in the design. So we we use our experience to fill in those voids, basically. Wow. So there's, oh, this is not, you know, like this part is not yet quite defined. This part is not yet quite developed. So let's just put some things here that, that, connect to the whole design and everything and sometimes those things those things actually stay in the design <laughs> until the end so there you go this is awesome so. i didn't know that okay so looking at your work it looks like your favorite medium is watercolor is this accurate uh yes it is yes it is well uh, 
let's say it this way. I prefer sketching first with a okay. pen. Mm -hmm. uh, that's my that's my like my grounds. <laughs> that's my ground. My foundation is sketching in mm -hmm. uh, ink and line, or line and ink. And watercolor came afterwards, and and it's a nice complement. It's like um, it's like the the perfect balance for for the ink for me. Yeah. So for someone wanting to draw the same way you draw, which is ink, fountain pen, ink, drawing, and then watercolor on top, what would you say to them? How should they start? Any tips? Uh, yes. Well, technique-wise or material-wise. Or both. Both? Why not both? <laughs> okay, let's go to technique-wise. Um, and I'm going to draw a lot from my from my own uh, learning experience, which is um, blind contour drawing is like key. It's like a key thing to 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 handle um, to fearlessly handle uh, line work. So basically, with line contour drawing, I don't know if you know this, but for for all the people that might not know, it's uh, sketching without looking at the paper. So you're just sketching the person or the the object or the the model that you're that you're that you're sketching. So you just you spend a lot of time looking looking uh, towards the person and not looking at the paper at all. This kind huh. of disconnects the uh, eye. So you. The only thing, the the only path that it's uh, that it's taken is like from the pen to the hand to the eye. No, the other way around. From the eye to the hand to the pen, to the paper, and it doesn't go through your brain because you're you don't know you don't know if you're sketching correct or, uh, correctly or not. And this is like a huge boost to to your confidence, to your you know, like oh. line working confidence. It's quite hard to get into at first, but. As you progress, uh, as you progress in it, you get more confidence, and suddenly you're just sketching directly with pen. Do you? Okay, first, this is really cool because you can sketch people on the street with sunglasses, and no one knows you're sketching them. It's you don't, you don't, yeah. you know. That's like how to be a creep without being a creep. Um, is that exercise something you still do today? I teach more than I do. Okay. So nowadays, well, I still do in a sense because it's like uh, when when I'm sketching in the streets or when I'm sketching, you know, like if we were face to face and talking, and I might I might sketch you in in a, in a little bit. Uh, let's see. But uh, <laughs> if you do, we'll put that in the blog post. <laughs> but if, you know, if we're just if we're just having a conversation or you know, like on a dinner table with uh, with a lot of people, I'm usually looking more at people than I'm looking at my own sketch. So in a sense, like I do, I still do a little bit, but not completely, not like a hundred percent. It was important to to do hundred percent blind contours uh, drawing for the in the first few times. Or in the first hundred uh, sketches, but then you kind of, you know, okay, I, I've learned what I can from this, so now let's just move on to other things. But I still do teach whenever I'm, whenever I'm, uh, I'm teaching like a long or a longer workshop, you know, like a series of four or five, mm -hmm. six workshops. Uh, I always like to start with the blind contour drawing, at least. Mm -hmm. Okay, that doesn't make sense. So even though you're not doing it yourself because you're teaching, you're always revisiting it so it keeps the whole thing alive for you. Yeah, exactly. It does make sense. Okay, that's a really good tip. Um, and material-wise? Material-wise, pen. And uh, I usually use this nib, these uh, nib pens now uh, because they last they last a lifetime. And, you know, they're, sometimes the nib is really flexible, so it's like you get, you get more expression from that line. You get like thicker line or thinner line, uh, 
uh, if you press more or less. And waterproof ink, of course, uh, loaded up with waterproof ink because later you want to paint over it. And it won't be pretty if it's not waterproof. Yeah, Someone yeah. once gave me a pen, oh, this is waterproof ink. Do you want to try? I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. So I, I drew, then I grabbed the watercolors and everything's mudge. And I'm like, okay, this is not waterproof. Yep. <laughs> but it's still, you can still get away with it. Uh, it's just, you know, I, I particularly don't like, don't like that muddy style, but you can get, you can get away with it. Some guys are, some people are amazing at making it, not me. Uh, not me. I like to see the lines. Uh, Some people it's... in Southeast Asia, like Thailand, Malaysia, or yeah. something. Guys, a few guys out there that really insane techniques. So true. Yes. You can do anything with every. You can do anything with anything. Yep. Uh, yep. If you know how the thing works. Yeah, uh, it's like there's uh, you know those big pens, those roller roller pens, the roller ball pens. Bigs and they they're they're great they're great for toning for you know like there's there's amazing art with just just rollerball pens. Okay, and uh, so once someone gets more comfortable with with the the drawing part, you only started watercolor afterwards. So how would you how would you advise us to start with watercolor on our lines? Okay, so I would, uh, that was a longer trail for me because I started, I started working with the, with the watercolor, like completely mindless of how, what watercolor was. So I spent years and years and years just painting my numbers and you know, like, I just draw something, draw, draw a shape and then this shape is red, this shape is green, this shape is blue, this shape is yellow. And that is not how work, watercolor, well, it can be used like that. But it's not at its best, so it's like if you want to soak up all the all that watercolor, all the power that watercolor has, you have to you have to consider more like the concept of concepts of value and of uh, temp temperature and light and shadow and all of that. So um, you can start by painting my numbers, but then you should progress quickly, uh, quicker than I at least. I, just wasted well not wasted but you know like I spent years and years and years painting by numbers when I could do I could be doing uh, other things um, yeah so I guess it was inter uh, it was important but anyway uh, but quickly jump as an as an advice quickly jumped to uh, these other more uh, visual concepts more arty concepts like value intensity light shadow and all that do you think that maybe starting with one or two color stops would help because you're focusing more on actually getting the watercolor to work than figuring out colors which is a whole new yeah yeah definitely definitely if you if you reduce your palettes to one or two colors then you you have a better chance of learning what the true powers are uh, true powers of those colors are uh, and if you'd like to see Pedro painting, we have a live demo with him. We had a live demo with him. We will have him again. Uh, we had a live demo with Pedro a while back. Uh, it's we. I will link to everything on the blog post associated with this episode at etrelab.com forward slash Pedro. We also have a workshop with Pedro. I think we have a workshop recording up for sale. And Pedro, you will be back soon to do more classes, more workshops, and more stuff with us, I, I assume. So uh, stay tuned to what's coming with Etra Lab. Subscribe to our calendar. Again, all links will be on the post. 
um, and uh, we will keep you posted on the new stuff that Pedro will create with us. And just follow Pedro for actually really, really cool stuff that he's doing, even outside of Etcher. Um, mm -hmm. Two more questions before we wrap up. So can you tell me about the biggest struggle you had to face while learning how to paint with watercolors and ink? Mm, well, um, I'm not a drama person, so I can't again i can't pinpoint any major particular drama but i think the transition to <laughs> <color>. <laughs> and I was like, i'm I mean, not a drama person everything's person. chill always good didn't work it's part of the process keep moving it's, and i'm like when i feel I'm like i suck i can't pay for my life <laughs> no i do suck well i do feel like i suck sometimes no. but but you know like, like Everybody, everybody feels this in the in the arts world. No matter how good or you know, like more uh, less experienced they have, they are. But everybody feels that, you know, like the imposter syndrome, the uh, you know, like all that oh, yeah. happens to everybody. So um, yeah, that goes around. But I don't. I guess I. Uh, I don't know. There's. I don't do it actively, but I just don't let it affect me that much. Uh, but I, I, I wouldn't suggest, I couldn't suggest a way of doing this or a technique of doing this. It's just that it's it's not in me to, to dramatize, to over-dramatize. Then let me ask you this, how you do not dramatize this whole thing? I just go to sleep or play video games or watch TV uh -huh. or do something else and then just get back to it tomorrow. There <laughs> Maybe you go. tomorrow will be better, I guess. There you go. That's like, that's close job. Go home. Go sleep. That's a really good way to do it. Out. What what I do just to share more like and this is going to be my question for you at the end of the episode is what do you do when you feel depressed with art? I grab whatever it if, if I want to draw, whatever it feels like drawing, even if it's just you know some super loose ink sketch and like guilty pressure kind of thing that I would not post on my wall, but it just makes me feel good and I do it, get the dopamine kick and then I keep on working on the thing. It works all the time. Also video games. Always video also games. video games, yeah. Video games. <laughs> but um, like the, I think maybe like the most difficult thing was to, or to incorporate, was uh, you know actual artistic watercolor which is like a recent endeavor i started you know i started taking watercolor classes uh, with uh, with a few local masters uh, and uh, that's that's been a major shift because it's like that's where i really felt i was inad inadequate like for uh, for a few months you know like for uh, for a big chunk of time, you know, I was like, "Oh, damn it! I can, I cannot make this work, no matter how hard I try." And I tried, and I tried, and I tried, and I tried, and I tried until last April, I did my first watercolor ex exhibition from home because it was already pandemic and quarantine. <laughs> I think that was like the most, the lowest, and then highest wow. <laughs> that I felt in in art, which was you know, like breaking the barrier from uh, urban sketching, urban sketching, urban sketching to a whole new dimension, which is watercolor, or artistic watercolor, can you say? Yeah, which is something you, you mentioned at the beginning of our conversation before we started recording, is that you took a chance, I mean, the opportunity, since we're in the middle of a pandemic, for, 
freaking year and you just decided to since i cannot go outside in urban sketch as much as i did before why not take the opportunity of this year and just do something yeah. different and let's see how that will inform my art later yeah, so exactly that's... the watercolor one of the Smart. You know, I, I tried as much as possible to imitate the uh, imitate the masters and then adapting their uh, adapting their techniques to my own work you know and make like a series of, uh, of watercolors and oh, I started also uh, live drawing sessions with models online, which was also also a big thing during the pandemic. There's all all sorts of groups, uh, all sorts of groups doing uh, organizing uh, model sessions, Zoom model wow. sessions, which is amazing. It's also a good learning opportunity. Cool. Any last words before we wrap up? Oh, um, oh, let's see. Uh, I guess I would just have to. You know, I think this, the, these uh, like podcasts or these conversations are a little bit like tiny checkpoints that you that you put in your career or your arts, uh, you know, like your art line, your art timeline. And I have to say, these are really useful to put in words. You know things that we are going through like as artists and uh, mm -hmm. it's really amazing to see you know like it's really amazing to have this opportunity to you know not only like putting our minds to to a few to a few words but also you know to share that with uh, everybody else and it's a wrap so what did you think of the episode today let us know in the comment section of the post associated with this episode at etrelab.com forward slash Pedro. That's E-T-C-H-R-L-A-B.com forward slash P-E-D-R-O. Or if you're watching this on YouTube, simply let us know in the comment section below. If you're enjoying the podcast, please help us keep the show alive. You can subscribe and give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts at etrelab.com forward slash go forward slash apple or if you're more of a youtube viewer please make sure to subscribe to our channel and ring the bell to get notified about our most recent videos sharing is caring and every little bit helps thank you so much and i'll see you next time until then let's make more art